Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is episode six. Welcome back to the Music Grind podcast, and hopefully by now you know that this is the podcast where I talk to working musicians, and we try to get a day-in-the-life kind of perspective on what it is that we do as working musicians, different types of job, different aspects of the job, uh, different schedules of the job, you know, all those things that um, that don't always get advertised, they don't get publicized um, but it's the reality and if you if you work in a different field um, you know your job and now you get a chance to know our job just as a quick reminder please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so you can subscribe on apple podcasts you can find and subscribe us on stitcher and you can always go to the website, themusicgrind.com, and you'll find new episodes, old episodes. Uh, you'll be able to subscribe uh, on there to different distribution software, different distribution apps. Also, uh, Instagram, the mu- no, sorry, at Music Grind Podcast. That's um, that's the Instagram for this podcast where I will announce stuff, uh, new episodes that come out. I have little videos of each person, uh, and hopefully I will be able to keep that trend going so that you can hear some of what they play, some of what they do before you hear um, before you hear their story. And you you know I I plan to have extra content up there too. Eventually, I'm working on all that stuff. Uh, but just if you follow at Music Grind Podcast on Instagram, uh, you'll be up to date with that stuff. Today I have my friend Jamie Grinnell. He's a bass player and a music director and a composer here in Tampa. Now, this conversation went a little bit long, so I've had to split it into two parts. Uh, this first part is the is his beginnings, you know, how he got started. Um, how he got started playing. And interestingly enough, he started almost right away, started dealing with, uh, you know, a record label, put together his own original band and started dealing with a record label. And so this part of his story is primarily that, what he has had to go through with the record label and with the original band and trying to get signed, eventually getting signed. Uh, this part of the story has... Uh, you know, unexpected twists. It has a Backstreet Boy involved in the story. Um, and it's got, you know, money dealings uh, and more specifically lack of money dealings, contracts, all that kind of stuff that that you hear about when you deal with uh, record, record labels uh, and record contracts. He goes through, you know, what he had. He talks about what he had to go through and all the the. Uh, inside stuff and as I was talking to him this part of his story reminded me of a, a really good book called so you want to be a rock and roll star that's the name of the book and it's by a guy named Jacob Slichter s-l-i let me see uh, how do you spell it s-l-i-c-h-t-e-r he's the drummer for the band semisonic uh, in the 90s they had that hit song uh, closing time. They had a bunch of other hit songs too, but that was their biggest one. I've read this book twice so far. It's really good. I really recommend it. Um, go check it out. It's a very compelling story. So I'm glad Jamie came on to the podcast, sat down and talked to me because he has uh, he has his own compelling story. I'm glad he uh, he had a chance to talk to me. So without further ado, here is Jamie Grinnell. Thanks. Thanks for doing this, man. Oh, thanks for having me. 
So how long, um, how long have you, so bass player, that's your main instrument, right? You consider yeah, that to be, okay. For sure. How long have you been playing bass and, and how did you get started? Um, it's actually kind of funny. I started, I started playing bass, now it's gotta be 20, 25 years ago maybe. Um, I was 11 or 12. Um, I was in middle school and I had a couple of friends that just wanted to start a band just for nothing, just cause. And uh, <laughs> so uh, my friend played guitar and there was somebody playing drums and, and he said, you know, we need someone to play bass guitar. And I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I heard the word guitar. So I immediately thought, that's cool. Um, so like my, my uncle is a multi-instrumentalist and I told him, hey, I'm, I'm gonna learn to play music. I'm gonna be in a band that, you know, I got some friends that need a bass guitar player. And he had an old PV Fury bass. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah it's old school. And, um, and he gave it to me for, for like my birthday or something. And, uh, and I didn't really know what it was. I just, you know, I just knew that it was some kind of guitar. Yeah. So I, I took a few lessons at Paragon Music Center in uh in tampa back back then they had this this thing called rock school yeah uh, where where you it was actually a really cool thing they put you in in a you have like a private lesson every week for your just you and instructor for your instrument and then on saturday you have band practice they pair you up with people that are close to your level and and you rehearse like once a week do like two or three songs for for like nine weeks or something like that, and then and then they would put on a little concert um, at at some venue that they would choose in Tampa. Um, so when I first started learning how to how to play bass, I didn't really know what I was doing, and my my instructor kept you know he would show me the basics like you know a major scale, chromatic scale, and he you know taught me about about how to use my fingers and stuff. Yeah. And I remember a couple lessons in, like maybe my third lesson, I was like. I was like, Lee, how do you, when do I, when do I learn to start like doing this, you know? And he was like, he was like, we don't do that. Oh, you're still thinking it's a regular yeah, time. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, at the, I mean, I was a kid, I was stupid. I thought that bass guitar basically meant rhythm guitar or something gotcha. like that. So, you know, he was like, you don't, you don't do that, you know? And I was like, what do you mean? What, you know, he's like, this is how you play. You're, you, you know, this is a bass guitar. And he explained to me, you know, what that meant and, I was a little bit bummed because I thought I thought I was playing something different, but gotcha. but I I you know I grew to to love it. I mean I I wasn't really cool enough for normal guitar anyway, so yeah. <laughs> uh, it, ba it honestly, <laughs> bass is better. You know this. I know this now. Yeah. Uh, so so that was middle school. You started in middle yeah. school. How long were those lessons? Like how long did you do that? Um, I only did that for um, less than a year. Of, of private lessons, um, just enough to learn just the basic uh, fundamentals, just how to how to make sound. You know, I, di I didn't yeah. learn a lot about theory or anything like that at the time. Um, but the most valuable thing about the whole about that whole process was putting kids in bands. Yeah, you know that instantly playing with other people. Um, was huge. It was huge for me, and I and I, you know, it, it it immediately sparked a passion for playing in groups. Right. Um. So that was that was great, and and you know, I, I learned how to I learned how to because I had to go learn or attempt to learn a song by myself, and then come back and then be corrected. You know, whatever I whatever I got wrong or. or what was the first song? Do you remember it? I knew you were gonna ask that. <laughs> I've, been, I've been sitting here thinking. I know he's gonna ask what. It, I think um, the very first song I think was "Sunshine of Your Love." Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it's got that. It's got that. That you know, it's not too hard to play, but it's got enough. You know, it. it it's got enough. Uh, Technique involved to to where you know when when you don't know what you're doing and you get it you feel like you accomplished something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was fun though. That's great. So yeah. then after that, were you in were you in bands? Um, then then when I got in town? then when I got into high school, um, 
we never started that band, you know, that my friends, you know, were talking about. But in high school, uh-huh. <laughs> right, not at that time, but in high school, um, we actually did, the same people. Um, we started a little band called Jack Frost. Probably not the Jack Frost that other people might know, because I think there's actually a popular band that oh, really? end up okay. calling themselves that. Um, but that wasn't us. Um, <laughs> we we just wrote, we were, I don't even know what, we, what you would call us. We were... Um, some kind of rock band, um, but uh, but I, I learned, I started to learn more in high school because uh, I joined the show. I went to Gaither High School, and they had this thing called Showcase, which is basically a, a show group. Um, they they put uh, they put a band together. You have to audition for it. Um, the first year, I was a like a technician, mm-hmm. and. And the next year I made, my senior year, I, I made the, the cut or whatever for, um, for bass player. And, you know, they have like 12 singers and, and drums, bass, guitar, keyboard, a small horn section. And, uh, and every year was a, a different theme. Um, I don't remember the theme that we had that year, but we, we played stuff like Proud Mary and um, just a bunch of different... Um, I guess pop songs, um, and and we would at the end of the year, like throughout the year, we would perform at different different events. Like we played the Strawberry Festival, we oh. we played um, different like middle schools and stuff like that for for kids and stuff. And then at the end of the year, uh, the school would put on a production called the Finale, where where we would team up with concert chorus and just put on a big show, a big yeah. production, and you know. So you guys were like the the backing band for the chorus, and yeah, the kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. that's and, great. And that was a big that was a big thing for me because that was the first time I ever had to play music that I don't like, or not that I don't like, but that I didn't choose to play. You know, mm-hmm. but it's actually stuff that that is more involved. Yeah, and and you know, forced me to learn stuff outside my comfort zone. Um, so that was that was a great that was a great program, um, and uh, and that's what I that's what I did in high school, and that that was a big like part of developing me as as again somebody. I've been very fortunate to always find my way into programs where you have to play with other people. Yeah, you know, so that that was that was pretty big for me. That's good. Know? And as a bass player, you know, it's it's often tough to to do solo gigs anyways. So yeah. Yeah, unless you're Victor Wooten, you know, <laughs> you're not going to... What, what music were you listening to? You said, you're talking about how, how this is music that you don't choose, so right. what were you choosing to listen to? Back then, I was just metal. Yeah. All metal. That's, that's all I listened to. And Tampa was a big metal spot. It was. Was that around the same time? For sure. Yeah. Um, and that band, you know, with my high school friends, that band that we played in, Honestly, none of us were good enough to play real metal at the time, but we were loud, yeah. you know, and, and, and kind of obnoxious. So, you know, it, it was okay. And we we played in different clubs like uh, like the Brass Mug. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it's a like Brass Mug and then Pegasus Lounge. Yeah, yeah, all these dirty places. <laughs> um, but it was it was perfect. And we were at the time we were really young too, like. Uh, like our parents had to be there for right. us to be able to even to even be in there, which was not like the best thing because they were expecting, you know, to see what their what their kids are working on, and uh-huh. I don't think they were very pleased. But I mean, it, it was you know it was still cool to actually play in front of real audiences and stuff. But that's you know that was you know there's different factors into why I even listened to music. You know, it was it, I was kind of a weird kid. I'm still. Kind of weird, but I was I was like real awkward and and I just listened to kind of angry music as I was going through one of those yeah. weird angry for no reason phases for like <laughs> five years. So uh, joining that that group at, uh, in high school in Gaither Showcase was it, it was good for me in a couple couple different reasons. Musically, I had to branch out, um, but I also you know had to you know I got to meet a lot of different kinds of people and and kind of expand my horizons socially yeah. as well as musically. And that was a good time for me because I, I learned how to, you know, I guess accept, I don't know, I, I, I just grew more as a, as a person. You know, I wasn't just hanging around with a, with a bunch of 
angry kids or whatever, I, I you know, got to meet some different kinds of people and, and play different kinds of music with different kinds of people. Cool, good. Uh, so after high school, now you've mentioned to me before, you know, you had a band, um, you know, and I've seen you, you had an EP out and all that stuff. Yeah. So tell me about that band. How did that, um, how did that so come So that, that started, I, st I joined that group or I helped start that group towards the end of my senior year in high school. And I was, I was in, uh, me and a couple people were, were rehearsing at the school, like at, at night for upcoming talent show. Um, so we were like in the auditorium doing rehearsal and there's night school classes that go on, you know, and uh, this one kid was like leaving night school, you know, and he heard, you know, us in there practicing and he came in and he starts asking questions and start asking people, hey, you know, anybody in here play bass, anybody in here play drums, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, somebody pointed to me and, uh, and the dude came up to me and, and he said, <laughs> um, I'll never forget this because it, it, it was like, I, I, I was completely like thrown off. He said, hey man, I'm friends with Nick Carter and I'm looking to put a band together. Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, good. You know, what, what do you, whatever, you know? And he's like, I, I, need, I need a bass player, I need a drummer. Did you recognize the name Nick Carter? You knew. Yeah, you knew I, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I knew a lot of a lot of people at that school that were into into the the oh, boys, yeah. you know. <laughs> so the boys, because <laughs> they were they're most some of them were local. I think Nick actually is from Tampa, and the other you know some of the other ones are from Orlando. I think. Right. Um, and that was kind of in the the, the peak. That's like '99. Yeah. So like they were like as big as they ever were right then. So he said that, and and I've, I mean, my very first reaction was was like, this guy's full of crap, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, I mean, it's just such a random thing. He didn't even build up to it. He was just like, hey, this <laughs> is who I know, and this is what I'm trying to do. Um, so he took me out to his car. He had like a demo. He had like this little CD, um, and it was a song that him and I think maybe Nick wrote the song. He was playing guitar. He was a guitar player. Um, and it was him playing guitar and some session people playing drums and bass and Nick singing. And I heard it and I, I wasn't like a fan of the Backstreet Boys. So I wasn't 100% sure like if, if that was him singing, yeah. Yeah, right. you know, but the, it did. It was a familiar voice. Plus it, it was like a kind of like a rock song. So it wasn't the style that, that I would be used to hearing him sing. Um, and then he showed me some pictures and stuff of him. He told me, you know, a story about how he grew up with Nick in Tampa. Um, and then, you know, they lost touch after, you know, after Nick auditioned for, for Backstreet and years later kind of reconnected and, and this kid was kind of in a, in a rough spot and, and Nick like sort of took him under his wing and brought him out on tour and just kind of got him out of where he was. And, uh, so he showed me pictures from the tour of him hanging out with Nick, and I'm like, okay, well that is him for sure. Like right. I knew what he looked like. Right. Yeah. Um, so you knew this guy was at yeah, least I knew, somewhat I, legit. I, yeah. I, I mean, I still had questions, but you know, but at least I knew that that he had been honest up to that point. So. <laughs> right. Um, so I talked to uh, my buddy that also played in the show group at school, uh, who played drums, and. Uh, you know, and we met with this kid, and uh, and we just kind of started jamming a little bit, and um, and before we found our our vocalist, we actually got to meet Nick, and it, it was at my house. We were we were because I had like uh, like some crap crappy PA equipment. I had something, you know, nobody else had anything. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so we we learned the song that he played on the on the CD for me, and Nick came over and sang it with us, mm -hmm. which, which was which was nuts, because my little sister was like the biggest Backstreet Boy fan. You know my little sister, yeah, I think. Yeah. She was like the biggest Backstreet Boy fan, and she was flipping out. <laughs> like, we, like, so we were like in my in my bedroom, like rehearsing, like, you know, playing this stuff for him. And I like hear like these scratching noise. I look at my window and like my sister and my mom are just peering <laughs> through the window, 
And I'm just, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was real. Like the, the beginning of this situation happened real fast. You know, I'm, I'm like a week ago, I'm like rehearsing for a talent show. And then like this like superstar is in my bedroom singing a song, wow. you know. So at that point, he was, you know, he liked what how we sounded, I guess, you know, and, and he wanted to, um, I guess he was, at the time he was trying to branch out. I, I don't know if, I don't know if it had anything to do with like, you know, he was thinking like that whole boy band thing was going to be dying out soon or whatever. And he wanted mm-hmm. to get into like some more behind the scenes stuff. Right. Um, and he wanted to, to manage us, but we needed to find a singer. So, um, <laughs> same dude, the guitar player, same guy who, who met me, um, like walks into a, a Subway sandwich shop down the street one day and this dude who worked there, you know, was like singing along to the radio, you know, and had a good voice. And he calls me, he's like, he's like, I think I found our singer. This dude at Subway making sandwiches, he sounds awesome. I'm like, sounds awesome doing what? He's like, he's just <laughs> singing along to the radio. I'm like, well, why don't we, why don't we like find out some more, <laughs> you know, a little more information than that. Um, he put that salami on there. Yeah, so man. <laughs> I guess he was just jamming out while he was spreading the mustard. So like, um, but he was, I mean, I don't know. He just really was, was confident about this dude. And he told, pitched him the same story he pitched me. And we ended up meeting somewhere or another. I think we ended up probably back at my parents' place and, and uh, you know, jammed some stuff. And he kid could sing. You know, no joke. He could sing. And... Uh, you know, he was kind of close to our age. I was the youngest one, and he and the singer was the oldest one, and he was like four years older than me. So that's where everybody was, yeah. um, like between like seventeen and twenty-two or twenty-one. And at first, we we started we started just working on some songs that that Nick wrote. You know, because none of us. I mean, like yeah, I had been in you know a band, but you know none of us knew how to really write a song. Yeah, you know. Sure. So you know, he had a few songs that he had us learn and um and at first it, it you know it was kind of like a like a soft rock kind of thing or contemporary um pop rock i guess you could call it like maybe matchbox 20 ish okay. you know sure um and he put us he instantly like like i said i'm uh, this thing went so fast i don't know i mean part of it is probably be, well i don't know so <laughs> he 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 put us in a studio uh, Morrison Studio here in Tampa. Yeah. yeah, and and he wanted us to record like three of the songs that we were working on to to make a demo. And we had never been in a studio. We had never played with a metronome. Mm. We had never done anything like that. It's not like it's not like a lot of the kids that age that I know now, you know, who like for whatever reason grew up like that, grew up playing with metronomes and yeah. grew, you know. Um, you know, we were all just people who just played, you know, whatever. We, we didn't have that kind of training. Sure. So um, he put us in the studio, and we could not stay on beat to save our life. And, and it got to the point where Nick had to actually come into the tracking room where, where me and the drummer and the guitar player were, and, you know, we... Our problem was is that we couldn't, the sound of it was messing with us. The sound of the metronome, you know, obviously when you don't, when you've never done that, you don't know how to take that and just listen to it as if it's part of the percussion. It's this thing that's telling you yeah. you're wrong, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it was just freaking us out. We couldn't stay on and we were so focused that we were not focused. So mm. he came in to distract us from hearing it. And he put on a pair of headphones and he stood in the middle of the room, he put his hand up and he waved his hand back and forth to the beat of the metronome while we were tracking. And he told us, just watch me, don't listen to nothing, just watch me. And we were, we were sitting there watching <laughs> and we were playing and we actually stayed on beat-ish, wow. you know, yeah. and, 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 and tracked an entire song. You know, it wasn't great, you know, we, we you know, wow. but we actually got through it and that was, that was actually, it was really cool because this, this dude, Nick, is, you know, I, I was maybe 17. He was like 20. He's just a couple years older than me, but he's been in the business for a long time. Sure. And, you know, I, being the metalhead that I was, of course, I would make fun of that right. kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, this, 
this Backstreet Boy is teaching me how to play music right now. <laughs> you know, like like as cool as I thought I was, I'm not. Like you know, <laughs> this dude is actually showing me something that I never knew. Um, so you know that that was one of many learning experiences that I had throughout like the next five or six years being a part of that project. Um, but the funny thing is, after he did that that one time. And we were now like kind of calmed down. We never had a problem again. Really? Never had a problem again with a metronome. That's great. Yeah, it was it was weird. Did you is that like did you visualize him even if he wasn't doing it, you stuff? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't remember if we did that or not because that would be kind of weird. <laughs> um, no, to this day, no. Why is he staring up at the ceiling? That's, that's just his way, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at the imaginary backstreet boy. Um, no, it's just it 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 just it just kind of clicked because because his point was, you know, the metronome is not something to listen to, mm -hmm. it's something to to just you know feel, yeah. and it's it's no different than playing with a drummer except it's a drummer that's consistently that's a, yeah. on time, yeah, you know, um, so yeah, that that was a you know that was a a a, a good lesson from a. From a boy band singer. Yeah, very yeah. good. So you, see, you said that uh, lasted about six years. Yeah, then, f uh, five or six years. Um, and then after that, what? I mean, now you're now you're a professional musician yeah. doing this full time. How did that? Well, how did that transition go? Well, it it after after like the first maybe the first year of that, we started to write our own music. You know, now that we kind of, now that we kind of knew, you know, the the basics behind, you know, writing a song, and, um, you know, how to how to go from one part to another in a way that makes sense, um, we started writing our own music, but we were much, you know, our influences were all much more heavy rock kind of stuff, so we we took like what we learned from him and. You know, and just what we were picking up, just you know, along the way, and and we started writing, you know, a much much heavier, much more aggressive uh, kind of music, and um, and he really dug it. Nick really liked it, so he he continued to uh, to help fund our demos. So we had that's a big thing, you know, because it's expensive to record yeah. quality demos, yeah. you know. But in return, you know, we. Our entire lives were devoted to doing what we were doing. We rehearsed five days a week for like seven hours. Like wow. it was like a full-time job. Yeah. We would come into this place called Apple Studios in Oldsmar. And, yeah, I remember yeah. that place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and we, we would get there like at 10 or 11 in the morning or something like that, and we would stay, you know, until like sometime in the evening and, you know, like break for lunch or whatever. But we would just do nothing but, you know, write and put stuff together and rehearse, you know, all day. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely worked for what was being given to us. Yeah. And, you know, we eventually, we eventually recorded a demo um, that... Tom Morris at Morris Sound started shopping for us. Oh, now for cool. a while okay. we we for for the for the past few years we had actually been signed to a production agreement with Nick. Um, Tom started shopping our demo and actually got the the interest of uh, MCA Records, who at the time knew nothing about Nick's affiliation. Okay. So essentially, you know. Nick had nothing to do with, with that, other than the demos wouldn't have been made without him, right. you know, with the money. But um, so when that happened, we we had to, uh, you know, the 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 label said, you know, we we need you to not be signed with somebody else. So, you know, they wanted to sign us, and and they did, and we had to give up part of our part of our uh, advance to pay Nick off. Right, right. Which is totally cool, you know. Um, and even with that, it was still, you know, we still had enough from the advance. It wasn't a lot of money, like 
wouldn't have thought it was much today, but we had nothing. Yeah. We had nothing. Like we didn't even work, you know, because that's all we did is rehearse and 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 record and stuff like that. So, like the money that we got from that was was like, you know, we we we, we thought we made it. We're <laughs> we're like, wow, we're we're actually going somewhere. You know, we've never had, we've never gotten paid for anything related to music up until that point. So so you guys were weren't doing gigs. At the time, or what? No, we we were we were playing a lot. We were doing a lot of um, original gigs. Yeah, you know, so it's not yeah. quite the same as like what I do now. Um, you know, you, you play. You know, when when we were local, when we were at home, we would, you know, play at clubs or whatever with four or five different bands. Everybody right. would play like one after the other. There'd be a headliner. Everybody plays for like forty five minutes, right. and you split like you know the door, you know, <laughs> between five bands and four or five members in each van, right. um, which came down to nothing. So, um, but, you know, we also, we also did a lot of traveling, you know, because Nick, you know, hooked us up with one of, one of his agents that he knew, kind of a big time agent in New York. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't really know, if I would have known then things that I know now, I probably would, probably would have asked some more questions um, because we weren't taking anything from these. We, so we would do these, these little like mini tours. Sometimes we were gone up to three months at a time doing like festival tours, uh, even club tours around, you know, the East coast. Sometimes we'd go over to the West coast in like a van, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, opening up for, for major acts, um, in front of a lot, you know, big audiences and stuff. Um, but you know, we, you know, we, we got paid like a daily per diem kind of thing just to, to survive, yeah. to eat and stuff. Um, but we didn't come home with anything. You know, it, it, it was, it was a, an exposure thing. Did you have your EP out? Like you could sell merch uh, no, or anything? No, not yet. Nothing? Okay. Not yet. The, the, uh, these yeah. tours were before that. Okay. Um, what was the name of the group? We had, we had some merch. We had like t-shirts and I think we had like some hats or something like that. Stickers and stuff. Um, and we had demos that were not like, you know, just in a plastic sleeve, you know, yeah. with, writing the names of the songs yep. over the marker and yep. Everybody selling, them for, <laughs> selling them for however much anybody could pay, yeah. pay for them. <laughs> That's um, right. The group was called Born Into Chaos. Okay. With a K. With a K. <laughs> yes. I was about that. Right. This was like early 2000s, so yeah, everything this, had to this, do with a K. Every, you had to spell everything <laughs> wrong, you yeah. know. Um, it's... it's the, the new metal era, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so we. I was we, gonna say you you put up a picture on Facebook, yeah, of that EP, and every now I, and then I find old pictures. I was gonna say you you kind of look like um like you you're trying to look like Fieldy, <laughs> you know? It's like oh yeah, I, I see that hairstyle, the, the braids and the uh -huh. and the the earrings and the nose ring and all that, <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of the way I looked back then had to do with the fact that when I was like in high school, like I wasn't really, <laughs> my parents didn't really like me to, you know, I, I had like, I always wanted to grow my hair out long, but yeah. I wasn't really allowed to, you know, when, when I when I finally was like old enough to like do what I wanted to do, I just went nuts. <laughs> it's just like yeah. hair's coming, nose <laughs> pierced, tattoo. I got the, I got my first tattoos like, like. The moment I I didn't have to ask permission. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but you know, the, it, it was also because I was kind of thinking about. I was actually thinking about a product too. You know, mm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna be. A, uh, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to, you know, be in a rock band. I'm gonna, yeah. you know, make albums. I'm gonna tour. You know, so, you know, obviously I wasn't thinking too far ahead. But you know, but you know, who does? You know, you 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 try to. You know, when you have a goal, you 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 go all in. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so back to the, the touring thing, everything was, was more of an exposure thing. And, you know, obviously I, I would have probably asked more questions, but you know, when, when a superstar tells you that this is the way to go, yeah. you know, to this day, I don't know, you know, who was making money. Somebody probably was, you know, but it wasn't you guys. It wasn't us. That's what I do know. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, us doing all of that did benefit us because we, you know, when you have to be like away from home with certain people every day, you, it really like, you know, it really determines whether or not you're going to be able to, to work with these people. 
you know, if, if you can live with people in, in situations that are not easy, yeah. you know, where you, where you, where you, you have to, like, you, you're not always sleeping in a bed at night, you know, you're, right. you're in close quarters all the time, you're gonna get on each other's nerves. If you can get through that, then you're, then you're gonna be all right, you know? Yeah. Um, and eventually the, all of it did lead to, you know, to a record deal, which at the time, you know, brought us a lot of confidence and we, you know, we, we were really proud of that. Um, we didn't know then that when you sign a record contract, the only thing it really means in that moment is that now you owe somebody money. Mm, you yeah. know, um, mm -hmm. at the time we thought it meant we're going to make it. Right. You know, obviously people do make it. You know, but before you know, in in the early stages of it, it doesn't mean anything. Right. It just means that now somebody owns you, and now you owe them for what they're about to put into you. Right. Um, so we made a record. They they funded it. We recorded the entire album at Morris Sound, and um, which was another that, that was probably of everything that we went through, which was a lot. We don't have enough time for all of that. Okay. But the process of making a record in a studio, to this day, my favorite favorite thing I've ever been through. Yeah. You know, just being there every day, being in in that room every day, in front of the console every day, and and you know experiencing something going from 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 like one place to another uh you know and working with a with a professional like tom morris who i'm friends with to this day um probably probably the only person that i'm still friends with to this day from that entire situation really? <laughs> that was the that was my my favorite part of it and and uh I learned a lot. I learned a lot about music from from Tom. I learned I learned a lot about writing and producing. You know, not so much all of the technical aspects of it, but but just the production part of it. Right. You know, um, so you know that that was that was again that was my probably the 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 biggest takeaway from the whole thing is learning. You know, the things I learned in that situation. So. So, I mean, I, man, so many questions are flooding my mind right now because that, now you're a, a band leader, um, yeah. you know, so the whole thing of taking something from here to the next step applies to that. The, yeah. the whole thing of um, if, what you said, you know, when you have a goal, you, you put everything into it, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, so you didn't get, and, and the thought that comes to my mind is you didn't get, you got paid in exposure, but really you got paid in experience. Exactly. Yeah. That's a that's an awesome way to put it. That, leave it up to Tito. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> you know, I, a lot of people don't like the word exposure. It's a bad word. Yeah. Um, but you know, the truth is, we, we you know we needed that. We mm -hmm. needed that experience, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, um, because no matter how you look at it, even even if even if it didn't turn into dollars at the time, you know, that 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 experience is. You know, so many people will never get to do yeah. some of the things that we did, whether we got paid for it or not. You know, right. it's 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 still you know situations that that a lot of people will will never get to, to be in. Um, and unfortunately, the whole thing, the whole thing didn't end very well. You know, we 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 did make the record and we released the EP that you talked that picture I put up. We released <laughs> we released the EP, and you know things were going really well for a while. The the EP was. Was being distributed in like you know you could buy it at Best Buy. I I could I would see it in Best Buy. I'd be really? walking around. I would like take my girlfriend just to be like, see, I, <laughs> I really am doing something. Look at that. That's me right there. Um, uh, you know, and Amazon and what was that other place back in the day? There was Best Buy, at Circuit City. I think. Circuit City. Com <laughs> well, CompUSA no, but right. Circuit City would be it. Yeah, yeah. Circuit City. Um, Did you ever make it into Walmart? That's I don't know if we got into Walmart. I don't okay. know if we, but we would have if, if you know, if the if the full length oh, okay. had been released. Gotcha. Um, and the the single was on rotation in Clearwater Radio. Oh, okay. That place that we passed a little earlier. Yeah. It used to be Clear Channel. Um, and uh, we were so the local the the station here, Clear Channel Rock Station was ninety eight Rock. Still yeah. is, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, well, it's not Clear Channel anymore, but I think 98 Rock is still a thing. 98 Rock still exists, yeah. but yeah, it's owned by somebody else. Right. So, so that it, I don't think we should mention. Gotcha, okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so that song, uh, the song was called Nothing Wrong, and it was it was 
you know, being played, you know, regularly, um, most of the country, you know. Um, so, wow. so definitely, like at that point, we were like, wow. It kept getting like closer to, to becoming like an actual success, and you know, the the possibility of dollars yeah. were now about to happen because you know now the label was like, okay. Now we're gonna put it. Now we're gonna put you guys on a real tour. Yeah. You know, like with a tour bus. You know, where where, where you guys are gonna generate income. You know, and not to mention merchandise and all this kind of stuff. And then, <laughs> right when it started to get really real, somebody had like a nervous breakdown. Uh. Someone just freaked out. Remember how I was saying? You know. Being in, in yeah. close quarters with yeah. people, you really get to learn whether or not you can really deal with being right. with them, you know, in, in long-term situations. Well, somebody decided that they could not gotcha. and just completely freaked <clears throat> out and, and, and kind of disappeared. Like we had some gigs that we needed to do and they were just gone. Like nobody could find them. And, uh, you know, he just pretty much got in his car and just took off and, you know, just was a little bit, you know, didn't want to address it, yeah. you know, just kind of wanted to escape, you know. I mean, it's a lot of pressure on you guys, right, building so that. I, yeah, but, you know, we were ready to go, yeah. and, and, and this dude wasn't. And, gotcha. um, and he, you know, we finally got in, in touch with him, and, uh, you know, and there was a specific member that he just could not, he just did not want to have to deal with long term. Gotcha. And the label, you know, kind of freaked out. You know, because, uh, you know, MCA uh, records, I don't know. If doesn't exist anymore. You yeah, can say, yeah, okay. you can say, yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But uh, MCA records was was the, the big distributor. We were signed to, to one of its subsidiaries, which right. was called Uninhibited Records. And Uninhibited, we were kind of like the, their last big project. Like, you know, they, they had a couple swing and misses. And uh, they were able to sell us to, to, you know, the president of MCA. And the guy was like, you know what? I think you guys finally, you know, you finally got oh. something. You know, you got something that, that can work here. Because remember, we were jumping, we, we were really, that, that new metal thing was real big yeah. back then. And that's what we were doing. And we were good at it, you know. So they kind of redeemed themselves by signing us. And there was one other group, too. Um, and they freaked. When, when this dude, like, bailed, they freaked. Yeah. And and they they said, you know, cuz the pressure's on them. Right. You know, cuz cuz this is their last shot. Right. So you know, they they said, look, we we need to pause. We need to stop everything. You need you guys need to go out and find a permanent replacement. Now, I and I was the only one. Everybody, you know, I was always like a little bit more business-minded than some of the others. You know, um everybody was like Okay, we'll do whatever you want us to do, blah blah blah. I was I was actually, you know, on the phone with my manager, with our manager, and I and 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 our A and R, you know, guy from the label, and I was like, man, why are we slowing down? You know, it, we lost our drummer. Mm -hmm. You know, why don't we just hire a new drummer, a, a, a gigging, you know, a professional, and keep moving? Yeah. You know, he's not the face of the group. You know, it's not. You know, it, it, we we can if we stop. You know, it's probably gonna you know, harm us more in the, in the, in the long run. Right. And I ended up being right, yeah. you know, but they were just, they were so obsessed with the idea of the product not being, you know, the product having to be what it's going to be. This is a four piece band, you know, like we could still sell it like that. Just put someone else's picture in there, just hire, pay them off, whatever, you know? So we had to stop and we had to find mm. an actual replacement. And that took like months you know to find because like you got to find somebody who who you know fits with the group and someone that you want to to deal with and and uh and somebody who plays somewhat similar to the other guy um and by the time by the time we got that all squared away mca was like hey the, the album was supposed to be released to them by that time and it wasn't so now uninhibited is in breach contract Oh. With MCA, and they were like, "Guys, I don't know how you screwed this up, but you did." Right. And this was your last shot. They dropped Uninhibited. We are still signed to Uninhibited, but now we don't have the big dog. We don't have the distribution right. anymore. So 
uninhibited tried to go and find another source of distribution for this happened all within the next year. We're still tied to these guys and they couldn't find nothing. So my, I, I don't know, I don't remember how we did this. We, I, I remember I called you know, our manager and, and I was like, look, we need, if we're gonna ever have a chance at, at, at you know, finding somebody else who believes in, in this project, we need to get away from these people because they, they can't get their, their act together right now. And you know, technically, they were in breach of contract to us as well because we delivered the album to them when we were supposed to. Yeah. They're the ones that never put it out. Gotcha. And they had their reasons, but you know, so we were both kind of in breach, sort of. Um, so w we split without any problems, without nobody owed anybody anything. Yeah, we just, just split, gotcha. and that was it. And um, unfortunately, I mean, about six months after that happened, our, our singer committed suicide and, and uh, you know, everything, it, it, the whole thing ended real bad. Wow. You know, so, so you know, it, it was, that's why when I say like that five years was a learning experience on so many levels. Yeah. You know, um, so after that, I, I continued to, like, I tried to keep like that moment, it, it was a tough, a tough pill to swallow the whole thing, you know, what happened to, to him and what happened and just what happened to us, you know, so I, I tried to, you know, join other groups that, that you know, kind of had this kind of potential, tried to kind of regain some of that momentum, um, but, you know, just ended up spinning my wheels, just ended up, you know, just kind of getting kind of stuck in that like local original band circuit, yeah, you know, and nothing, yeah. you know, and, and at the same time, I'm flipping burgers somewhere, you know, or I'm doing construction somewhere, I'm, you know, right. all these odd jobs to pay my bills while I'm trying to, you know, do this. And, you know, eventually I started to realize, you know, that, that, that this isn't going to work, not like this, not this way. And I'm like, you know, struggling to make ends meet um, for, for no good reason, really, you know. Right. Uh, not because, not because I was, you know, it wasn't that I wanted to give up on some kind of dream or something like that, but, you know, reality comes, you know, and, it, and the reality is what it is. It doesn't change just because you, you know, you're not cool with it. So, you know. <laughs> reality doesn't change because you're not cool. I yeah. like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I've noticed, you know, places I would go, you know, People are, there's bands always playing somewhere. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, met some people over the years and I always assumed that it was just some side thing that they did. But, you know, I came to find out that that's what they do for a living. They, you know, play covers and stuff for, for yeah. a living. And I was, you know, when I was younger, I was kind of anti that kind of thing because I just, I, I, I was you, ignorant really. I didn't know, you know, much about that. And I, I kind of, you know, very silly, like, assume that people who did that were, you know, just selling out or whatever, gotcha. it was, you know. Mm -hmm. There was no intellect behind my process there. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was all ignorance. Well, there you have it. That's the first part of this episode with Jamie. Um, we'll continue at a later date with the rest of it. So, so far, you've heard uh, how he started and how he had to deal with uh, the record label. So it did turn out to be Nick Carter, as you heard. You heard how they went on um, on tours, how they didn't really make money, um, how they were in breach of contract, and they, they dealt with the label, they dealt with MCA. Um, and those are all very real things that bands go through. And so now... Uh, right at the end of this interview, you hear how he was talking about he had not imagined being in a cover band or what people do in a cover band. Well, it turns out that Jamie is now in a cover band. Not only is he in it, he's running a cover band. In the next episode, we will, um, we will cover all that. However, right now, I will let you know what it is. He's got a band called From Me to You. 
And they're available for bookings. They do uh, weddings, parties, clubs. They do whatever whatever musical stuff you need. They do it. Um, so hit them up. Find them on online uh, from me to you. I will have links and stuff like that uh, in the show notes for today. Uh, and Jamie has his own um, his own Instagram, and he's recording. I'll give you a little preview since you're not going to hear it right right now. He is recording his own original stuff. That's why he's a composer. He's he's gone on to um, record his own stuff, and I know that he's in the middle of tracking songs, mixing the the album, and and doing all the stuff you need to do. We're going to hear more about that later. Uh, I hope and uh, but for now, you can still check it out. Um, reflections of surrender reflections underscore of underscore surrender that's his instagram you can follow him and his progress on that on that album Uh, his band from me to you uh, is out now they're out playing all over the place and you can find that too as for me here this podcast instagram at music grind podcast Email musicgrindpodcast at gmail.com. You can message me, ask me questions, suggest people, uh, whatever you want to tell me. And themusicgrind.com is the website. You will find uh, new episodes, old episodes, ways to subscribe, which include Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Go subscribe if you haven't already. Tell your friends because I'm sure they will enjoy it. And if you're a musician, you're listening to this and you've ever had trouble explaining to somebody what you do, tell them to subscribe to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that's it for today. I hope uh, everybody out there stays well and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.